This podcast and the following message are brought to you by Experian Automotive. Experian's new dealer marketing intelligence platform is a revolutionary approach to marketing effectiveness, utilizing data-driven insights to help you unlock the power of your pure market potential. Find out more at autoconverse.com slash Experian. Dave, reiterate that point that you were making that that these mainstream networks, they don't have an in-market audience layer. What does that mean? So, you know, a lot of times people go and they, they may, like Grace said, they may start their shopping experience uh, and, and go to a cars.com or an auto trader. But the problem is sometimes those people, we notice from tracking people from pixeling our site and other sites and demand site platforms, that we'd cookie somebody and we'd go, okay, they're shopping around online. They're coming to our website. They're in our database. So we're getting a notification through Dealer Inspire that, hey, they're on our website, but they're not talking to us. We know that they're shopping around at other sites. We know what they're looking at. We have all this great data. And as a dealership group, we're not focusing on that. But a lot of these people that we notice, they're not ready to, we don't even see them engaging with us for 120 days. 150 days, 90 days. They're doing their research. Right. They're doing their research, but we catch them on YouTube a lot more before they buy. So, I mean, I see them on YouTube interacting later in the, you know, later in the sales funnel, all of a sudden their intensified search on YouTube starts a little bit higher and they start watching more video before they plan on buying. And the nice thing about it is when you looked at this report, you knew because they were, they were showing you through Google that they are searching automotive websites. They are on YouTube. And that person, based on their percentage of engagement, is given a rating. It's saying that, you know, this person has an 8 out of 10 score that they're most likely to buy in the next two weeks. It's those people that you need to be retargeting on the different demand site platforms, you know, go in there and target them on an admins, target them on ad space, wherever you can um, to get after them. No matter which vendor we use, whether it's a lot links or gray, I think you had a, a product client command or whatever oh, other products, you know, we have at our disposal. We, we just need to know how to keep our message in front of them, but you really have to look at your notifications and go, Hey, this guy's visited my website five times. And because they're in your database, you have that. Now, when you have products like, um, and, and this guy, Mike, he was on one of the shows a while ago, um, Confluence Social um, Marketing. Um, he has a way of pixeling people's site, and he can track people around the internet and feed that data back to you. And he runs different campaigns to be able to help us with that, like retargeting email and stuff like that. Um, he can even do IP address domain targeting. Um, there's so much technology out there, but here's the problem in the dealership we're technology overwhelmed and your managers only focus on so much and the dealerships only believe that this is only a little bit important. You know, the old adage is that 70, 80% of the people that buy a car for me are within 15 miles, but they're going to buy from me anyway. So what are we fighting over 20, 30% on the internet and on TV? Well, that's changed. It's no longer a 20 to 30% and that 70, 80% are 
going to come in and because brand loyalty's changed. Now it's probably about half that number. And I would guarantee maybe even stronger. I, I would say, wouldn't you guys all agree that it's 90% or above that people research on the internet? Oh, 100%. Oh, it's, 90, it's like 98%. Like, like it's, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is absolutely insane how many people are shopping now. I think it's over 90%. Yeah, and Bill, and, and, and prime examples, I often talk about one of my stores here in Chicagoland and the demographics being in a very, very, very affluent area. And the old saying, well, they know we're here within a Honda store and buy a car, I think it's held true for a long time, but up until the last couple of years, recently pulled out the good old data and was looking, and just in my own backyard, the traffic to our website with in Highland Park, 40% increase. Uh, we have a little town called Winnetka, 138% increase. This was over two years. So my conversation is, yeah, they know we're here. And yes, the demographics haven't changed, but the behaviors have changed. They are researching more and more and more online, landing to our website, but the research has drastically increased. So that's where I got to be honest with you. That's exactly where I want the customers to go for my competitors, because guess what? I can disrupt it with an Amazon gift card. If they touch my website of my client just for a couple seconds, they just want to know where your address is. They're driving down the road. They're at the mobile device. They're saying, how many Toyota dealers are there in the Chicagoland area? And they just happen to hit my landing page. I want to disrupt the research. And the reason I want to disrupt, and I know you're on the other end, and I completely respect that. But like you said, it's overwhelming to a dealer. How do I, you guys are so overworked and overwhelmed with, following everything that you have to follow stay with the trends. I just thought, well, if I send this guy 50 bucks or 25 bucks, depending on where he lives, I can just get him to walk in the dealership, smell and taste and drive that car, meet a good salesperson, ask him what his payments are now. What would he be doing if his payments were the same on that, you know, on that Tundra or that uh, RAV4? Would he, would he, you know, put together a deal today? And I find that disruption has been the necessity to the tools that we have been using to kind of get those people to settle in and buy early. They buy early, the grosses are better. The um, the way the customer's feeling is less, in, it just seems like they're calmer and they're more open to respond and be obedient to what the dealership's trying to do. The longer they're in the sales funnel, it seems like it takes so long for these people to come in and they feel more agitated. I just think the disruption is, is kind of a good alternative. You can find a way to disrupt the customer. That That's going to be, like I said, a gray area between two stores. That's the area where nobody is loyal and everybody's kind of open for, for game. And if $50 brings them in or 100 or whatever the case may be, that's that seems to be a good good place to disrupt. Does that make sense? Bill, yes, it does. And if you could uh, do us a favor, um, you know, I, I, I've, we're, we're, we're streaming live here on YouTube. There could be people listening on the podcast or the recording. Um, and as I advertise this, Gray and, and Dave are auto retail marketers. They work at uh, dealer groups here in the Chicago metro area, both very high volume uh, uh, dealer groups that they work with. Give us uh, just a brief overview of your background and where you're coming from, because you, you got into the whole you know, gift card incentive. Uh, some people might assume that's a digital gift card, but I think you're referring to a printed. So give us some background, if you could, there. 
Yeah, I, I, my background is I have a company here in Salt Lake City called Satri LLC. I have a product called Boomerang West. Uh, I'm able to pixelate websites, uh, meaning pixelate is the place code in that website where I can really interpret the home address of the visitors anonymously, meaning I have 900 million devices already connected to 95 million households that are active. So I don't have to wait for something to ping off a cell tower or match. The match is instantaneous. So the next day, I'm geared up to send that person a, a, a message. And it's, it's a personalized message. If they were looking at Tundras or Corollas, I could actually do the VDP thing and send them a message. Or I can just send a message from the home page to kind of disrupt what's going on. And I find a lot of customers are hitting a, a, the homepage and they may not go any further. And I used to discount those people. Now I'm embracing them because I'm finding like both of you are saying, those are people that are starting their marketing quest of gathering information and I want to disrupt them. So when I look at the report of um, the heat map, of what goes, they're from they're 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 not really in the PMA of a dealership. A lot of times, they're outside of the PMA, which is even better because now I'm grabbing business I wouldn't normally have. So I'm a disruptor in the marketplace. I'm interested in sending a message early on, where I can get people to respond earlier by coming in on an Amazon gift card. Their first message is we just begun the shop. I train people inside the dealership to overcome those objectives, objections and see if we can put them in a car early. And if we can't, which half don't, at least they've had a good experience, hopefully a good experience at that store. So when they do their research, they come back around to that dealership and finish what they started. Does that make sense? Yeah. And you mentioned that you, you pixel the sites. And, and Dave, I was thinking about when you were talking about like YouTube visitors as an example, a little bit, you know, a little bit higher funnel, but lower funnel than say just someone watching, uh, you know, the Mask or something or the Ellen DeGeneres show. You say you can identify those visitors. How are you uh, explain technologically how you're identifying and tracking those YouTube viewers specifically? So there's a couple different ways. One, YouTube itself. If you tell them that, hey, I want to, I want to market to auto intenders, they'll say, hey, in your zip code, this person is on Google searching for X amount of cars. This person's also visited your website. This person's been on YouTube. And then you could target them with your pre-roll ads from there. All right, and so you can correlate people that are on your website and... Uh, and on, on but it doesn't have to be just on your website. You can conquest too, and we have multiple products that can do that, not just with YouTube. Um, YouTube can tell you, and because we were one of their beta stores uh, at our locations, at some at majority of our locations, um, they can show you in market shoppers that actually visited your store. So Google can say, and YouTube will say, because ultimately they're the same company. Um, they'll say, hey, you know, this person is shopping for a car, they watched different pre-roll videos, they watched one of yours, and they showed up at your store. Those are people that may not be in my database. There's also, and that, it's more of a conquest. There's also people that they can say, hey, these people have visited your website. 
and they're searching for cars on Google and they're watching video and they showed up at your store. So, you know, just because devices, all, IV, all devices have an IP address, all homes have an IP address um, associated to them. And when you're on a network and it catches those cross devices, Google can kind of, you know, over give themselves credit or actually give themselves credit. And I say over because you may have, I mean, I have 31 devices in my household that's connected to the internet between myself and my kids and how many devices we have. And so I've connected them to one of showing up at a store. Say that again. 31 devices got to be a record, man. 30. <laughs> I mean, no, it adds up. It adds I mean, up. when you think about it, I mean, from everybody's got a DVR in the house. That's a device connected to the internet. Everybody has an iPad. Everybody has a Mac. Everybody has a cell phone. And everybody in our house has an Xbox. And now we've got like an smart, Apple TV. Smart speakers and, probably get one. And we have an Alexa. We have a Google Home. And then when you take it a step further, I, I think there's all of our TVs are smart TVs. There so you I mean, go. Every one of our TVs in our house, I mean, we have seven TVs connected to you. You brought up a really good point because when you count all the smart TVs and everything you got going on, your doorbell, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You've got a lot of you've got a lot of devices. So there's 950 million that I've counted across the United States that that are, have some kind of activity. Yep. Ninety. The only ones I can't count if you're on the third or fourth floor of an uh, apartment. But I'm not looking for where you've registered the phone. I'm looking for where you're resting every night. And I do a longitude and latitude match that up to a home address. Sounds a little creepy cool, but now I know I'm mailing to the right person. So that's what's brought mail back into it. So for a price of a cup of coffee, I'm going to go after that household. Whoever's watching the internet or reading is going to see this on the kitchen table when mom or dad brings in the, the mail and they're going to say, oh, wow, I can take an extra thousand bucks off a GMC vehicle. I mean, even Buick stores, and I don't want to say this, that there's anything wrong. I love Buick, right? But I'm getting them traffic where they wouldn't have traffic. You got traffic to a Toyota store. That's a given. But so some, is it only direct mail, Bill? What's that? Is it only direct mail that you're I doing it with? Or you well? I, I'm, it's a channel with direct mail. I don't do a digital retargeting because it's so crowded for me, right? I, right. I can't break through the clutter. I'm not smart enough to retarget in a way digitally. And besides, it breaks PII laws. Let me just go through this. There's PII guidelines that say you can mail to a household all day long. But if I take this data that I just scraped and I start adding information like FICO score or address or phone number, now I'm now I'm breaking some rules because I didn't get right. their permission to retarget. Does that make sense? Right. To a household all day long. Yeah. yeah, but you could you could take notifications right from somebody's database, depending on your website. I know Gray, your your website sends notifications to their managers when someone's in their database to yes, say, "Hey, yes. they're back visiting." Uh, Even though they haven't contacted us, but you could take that list and email. email. You bring a really good point. You bring in a really good point to the table. One yeah. thing that I didn't know I could do that I could do now is I can match your dealership data against it. So. I can I can actually suppress dealer data and match real time to know if they're a past customer. If they're a past customer, what would you do if they hit your website? And by the way, about 85% do when they're out re-looking for a car. So think of all the retention direct mail that's been wasted, right? Now right. I got a live one, right? I can send them an offer to privately come in. So you brought up a good point. Yes, 
If I can match that data with something inside the dealership, bang, the rules go down. The guidelines say this is a, a client that I can engage with and pick up the phone call them, I guess, if I want it. One so, thing I want to add to this, though, too. Oh, go ahead, Bill. Sorry. No, no, please. But with Dave, you, you, know, you were saying about YouTube and in-market shoppers, you can, with that slide that came up with the graph, you can layer in in-market shoppers with other networks, especially connect to TV as well. And Dave, right. you both know there's a, there's a platform out there where you can target people uh, directly based off their home address as well with, with, uh, with the ads on connected TVs. But I can tell you, I've worked with ABC here in Chicago, and we were able to layer in in-market uh, shoppers within some of the, the digital that we we're doing with them. Uh, if you're doing a broadcast, absolutely not. If you're doing any kind of connected or streaming, you are able to layer in some of that in market. However, is it going to be as efficient as a YouTube or Google on property? Probably not. But there are now more and more of these media companies are, are, are putting in that extra layer for an extra cost. I mean, we, there's a, I'm not going to say the name. There is a large consultant who has a very large presence in our industry. We've been going around with, uh, uh, with the cable network. Uh, promoting the connected TVs and the streaming as a, as a part of the omni-channel strategy because now you can layer in that third-party uh, in-market behavioral targeting. With you as well in the direct mail, we were using another provider. David, you had mentioned it prior. Part of their strategy was a direct mail piece to try and interrupt that that kind of flow that, that's over. The, the only problem with, with that... I'm sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, no, people are doing this. I own that channel. Like you talk about omni-channel marketing. You looked at a Tundra truck. I've got, I, I know from the VDP that you hit that with your device ID. I match that to a home address. I could make you a Tundra offer literally on the VIN number of the one you looked at. So instead of giving 15000 bucks away to everybody, I can give it away on a truck I have been sitting for a year than sitting on my website. So when you say omni-channel, I get excited. Because I want to be able to touch somebody on a product that isn't about using your name anymore. It used to be, oh, you could use Bill Satry's name all the way through the direct mail piece, and that's really cool. It's not relevant to me anymore. What's relevant is if you can be touching me on the product that I just looked at. And so now I can drill down to one person and get that one person an offer. End of the month and I'm in trouble, start giving out like Lexus, the $250 Amazon they don't give Amazon. I think it was a Visa or some gift card. You want traffic? They're going to come in for 250 buck test drive, right? Yeah. So I, I've got the choices here. You have a bad month going. We can we can mix it up. But I just think all the rules are broken now. I, I, I'm hoping we could talk a little bit about the KPIs being, you know, I'm noted for like everybody's measuring sales, but we're not measuring the traffic that's being converted. The average store that I'm looking at on a daily basis, they have 60 verified addresses that I can verify from all the chatter that's been hitting their website. So you got 60 people that woke up in the morning out of a billion websites that hit your website. Now what? So out of those 60, I'm really, really, really interested in converting them into showroom traffic. I got to get their bodies in front of me. And am I converting them? Because after they leave, I, I collect their information digitally. Three days later, I might call them. I might have my, my agency call them and say, what happened? You know, I don't want the dealership. Dealership could call and follow up all day long. You know what it's like to have sales call. But if I get the agency to call, like on behalf of the Amazon gift card, 
uh, promotion. Uh, I'm just curious, what happened? Well, we went across town and bought a Ford. That's what the dealer needs to know. Is, is he losing the business or did he get it in the beginning in the first place? Does that make sense? <clears throat> so those people are walking out. We're all thinking we're getting a 50% closing ratio on the traffic. Uh-uh. I think there's more going on inside the dealership that really needs to be exposed at the beginning of the horse race rather than the photo finish. Make sense? Yeah. What I want to share here is something I did over the weekend that, that I, I think alludes to, um, alludes to um, a, a bad symptom that I'm seeing out there. Now, one of the things that's come up in conversations today and in previous conversations like this is that the savvy customers are not submitting form fills they're not necessarily even making the phone calls. They're doing all their research. They're creating all these behavioral engagements, and then they're showing up. Now, Bill, what you're saying is, hey, let's figure out who those intenders are. And let's incentivize them to come in because that's how we're going to convert that. Now, I'm on, my, I'm on my iPhone over the weekend, and I'm a Jeep guy, and I just was curious. to. I just felt like shopping around for Jeeps. I'm not really in market, but I just wanted to do a little research. And so I type in, uh, you know, the Jeep and the model and all of the sites that I hit were either portals like news sites, uh, cars.com was there, true car showed up, motor trend, car and driver. Okay. Every single one of them brought me to generic product information. But if I wanted to look at local inventory, I was immediately prompted to, to submit my contact information. Okay. You're not going to do it. You're and, too or, to do it. Here's, what I, here's what I think the issue is. If, you, if, if the third-party automotive sites are forcing you to provide your information to look at the inventory, then you have, you're either going to do it or you're not. And if you do, the dealers are trained to think, oh, that's a lead who wants to buy. Sure it is, but they haven't demonstrated all that behavior yet. So now we're, we're back to that to that kind of old school mentality of, oh, these leads aren't converting, these leads aren't converting. It's because we forced them to convert prematurely. Uh, Usually somebody with bad credit that'll leave their information. They can't get bought, right? (laughs) Cars.com was the only one that let me look at dealer inventory without without forking over information. Um, But if I wanted to move over to the dealer side, I had to. Well, interesting that you say that. I know the percentage is wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but I can tell you it's single digits under 5% out of millions that hit true car every month actually convert to an actual lead for a dealer because there they, you go. they wanted all that information out of millions, single digits under 5%. I believe. Nobody's talking about this. Nobody is talking about this, that we are uh, in a world where we don't want to give up information. You're not going to, you go to a real estate website, you know better than give up information. I just met with a large college out here yesterday, and their biggest problem is the fact that they've got people hitting their website, not filling out the application form. Now, right now, a university is a victim of whoever fills out an application, they get accepted. What about all the people that don't? So this isn't just an automotive problem. This is a universal problem. We're getting more facetious on how we approach things. We don't want to give out information. We're told, you know, we don't want to be followed right? You don't want somebody calling and bugging you or, or trying to sell you timeshare, right? You have got to uh, manage your information the best way you can. So I see resistance from people giving out information. And yes, there's still the drop down. And yes, people are, are given in. 
but I need to get, I, that, that's why I'm pixelating. I need to get that information from behind the scenes and work backwards because I can't wait for a consumer. That's why I say there is no sales funnel. Sales funnel has been encrypted in our minds because somebody else likes to have those people go to a third party to uh, understand and research. And those dynamics of research is supposed to be important. And meanwhile, you take my wife down to a Lexus store and put her in front of an RX 300 or 350, whatever they call it. And if it's the right color, she's gone. What sales funnel is there? So if there is no sales funnel, then what is the objective of your marketing? Should you just focus on creating engagement on your site? Is that really all we should focus on? The dealer site? Who did you ask that question? I'm I'm definitely curious, Gray and Dave, on your opinions about that. do you buy into what Bill says that there's no sales funnel? Consumers are just, they're going to, when they're ready, they're ready. And they're going to be the ones to let you know. So as a dealer, what should you, what should you focus on? Well, car sales haven't changed. I mean, buying a car is an, is an emotional decision. You know, people still need to come in, feel a car, drive a car. And the ultimate goal is to get them engaged and to drive the vehicle. You pretty much have to have to drive the vehicle, but you know, today they're saying that's not true. You know, people buy a car online and they never see it. I get that, but I know that most of our customers still do come and get engaged and have to be driven in a car. Um, there are those people that, you know, want the Carvana experience or want an online shopper experience like we do with our electric car line. We sell electric used cars at Current Automotive and we ship cars all over. But that's a specialty car. Um, we're selling Teslas, stuff like that. So, I mean, from my standpoint, um, I think you have to be involved in a little bit of everything. You have to know technology. I think what Bill does is wonderful. I think some of the programmatic stuff that we have set up on our websites to follow customers and try to keep engaged. I think YouTube's great. I think Facebook's great. But not everybody falls into as a YouTube customer, a Facebook customer, an auto trader customer, a cars.com customer, because people are getting frustrated of trying to give up their information. And I think, you know, TrueCar forces you to fill out these leads. They're a great company and a great product, and we have a good sales success with them. But the problem is anybody that goes on your lead, you have to give up your information, right? So you submit a lead. But like you said, people are not ready yet. And TrueCar is banking on something that, you know, that customer is going to continue on that pipeline. And if I get their information before cars.com and AutoTrader and the dealer, then I'm going to get credit and I'm going to get paid. And I'm going to tell you, you have to pay me, even though the consumer was not ready to buy yet, you know, but I got the name to you first. So people are into, Hey, I got the name and that's why I want to get paid. So, you know, when it, we talked about something before this podcast here. And one of the questions that we talked about was, was KBB and trade pending and Edmonds new trading tool. And I asked you guys a question about it because we talked about, Hey, I'm getting all these events going to the KBB page but my conversion rate isn't that high. And when I compare it to some other products out there, they have a better conversion rate. But it's simply because a lot of people go to a page, they have to give up their, their plate number. They have to give up their VIN number. Who, who, has a, who knows their VIN number off the top of their head? None of us do. You know, I don't know my plate numbers on my car. My wife does, but I don't. Um, but then you have to give up your name and your, your phone number and your address in order to get your trade-in value. So a lot of people go to these things. We make it difficult. They don't complete it. But when they go to these pages, 
Who's retargeting them? The dealer's retargeting them because we have a pixeled website. They went to KBB's page, so guess what? KBB, now they're retargeting them, and they're trying to stay in front of them. And the whole game there is they're going to retarget them to try to get them to their sites and different sites and stay in front of them and present ads with them. We buy ads in that ad space, and then KBB and Auto Trader says, we sold that car for you. We got them. Look at how, how many times they are engaged. Well, they were retargeting them. They brought them to their site. They took them off our dealership website. where they hijacked. And, and that's, you know, the customer went there. So, I mean, there's so much noise out there. There's so much different type of things. And we just pretty much have to figure out what type of thing is a good incentive. Is an Amazon card a good incentive to people? I think so. Ray, what do you think? I think incentives are good, but I think it's just really being there for when they happen to want to click and when they want to convert, they're going to convert. I think that we can give them a little push or a little, a little motivation with an incentive. But I, again, it boils down to why I think you have to have messaging and inventory such as content or imagery or advertising on all the different levels. So you just, you hit that person at the right moment when it's the right time. You know, you can run different campaigns. I display retargeting. Uh, I, I do agree that you want to focus on the ones that are ready to buy within you know, the next couple of weeks. They bring you the return on investment. But at the same time, it's great to have multiple campaigns running. I've got offer campaigns. I've talked about it before. I do memes. Like memes that like your house mom is going to laugh at when she's looking at Odysseys and decides not to put in a lead for them. And there's this funny little image that look you get when you didn't buy from Muller Honda. You know, those converted nearly 0.37% click-through memes and the bounce rates aren't that high either which tells me that i'm hitting someone at the right moment and they need a good laugh to come back and re you know restart that process i think looking at traffic flow i talked earlier about how my traffic has increased from various neighborhoods around my dealership but our sales haven't necessarily increased year over year and there's other reasons for that but i think it's because there's more and more people that are that are researching and they're researching that the neighborhood dealer may not have always been the cheapest dealer for them so they go and explore somewhere else. And I think the mindset that people are going to come to a dealership twice, absolutely not. If they leave your dealership and you don't give them what they want, such as a, a clean and transparent price, they're out. They're not going to come back. So I don't mean to kind of sound like I'm sounding off, but I think that we, we as marketers put so much focusing on, on, on all you know, the down funnel and the metrics and what all these consultants out there, uh, not necessarily Bill, I'm talking about you, but there's a lot of them out there really pound their chest and they go in different directions depending on how the industry is flowing. I think you just have to find the right medium for your individual dealership. You know, David, you see my videos. They range from kind of a urban to a technologically forward uh, transformer civic to in a more adult kind of CRV and just different tactics and techniques for different, different levels. But Gray, out of a hundred dealerships I've been into, I've yet to see one of you. I mean, I know I'm, I'm the unicorn. Are you one of, one of a million? There's nobody who thinks like you. What the hell? I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry, but like you two, Gray and David, you're in here for a reason. It's because you're leaders in the market. You sit in, you lay in bed at night looking up at the ceiling trying to figure out how to help be bigger than the other Honda store or how you can get in. That's all I'm doing is I found some technology out there that outside of the auto industry is using to identify people. And it, it just seems to be the way. Something else will come along two or three years. I get it. Segmentation of data, I was big into. But you guys, you're lighting the fire for the rest to follow. And I commend that because 
Nobody. I'm telling you, I'm looking up and down a dealership and nobody would even know what you're talking about, right? Yeah. No, of course. They're buying it from a third party. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. And, and I, to wind this down, I always say, you know, what can we do? What can we do with, the, with this information, right? Where, what can dealers get from this conversation? And not even just dealers. I, I put a challenge out to the third party automotive sites as well. You know, um, we have a, a viewer up here, Mike Phillips, who's been chiming in while we've been talking and, you know, just building on what we were talking about earlier, everything's connected, right? You're not just your TVs and your smartphones, but, you know, your alarm system, your thermostat, everything's connected and it's creating this, this cluster bleep, you know, for everybody, for the, for the dealers, for the marketers, for the consumers, it's creating this whirlwind. And when we talk about what are you supposed to do, where I'm getting at is I think the, the name of the game, the key here is from a dealer standpoint is just be there and create engagement like Grace said, so that when that time is right for them, you have a greater chance of being able to receive that. And going back to my story about these third-party automotives, if they're focused on forcing consumers to, to, to give information, why? so they can give that to a dealer, I think those days are gone. And that's why I know cars.com has put so much effort into trying to create engagement. Um, but, you know, Scott Peckstein said last year in, in our panel discussion at NADA, Scott's from AutoWeb. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm, dealers don't want to be charged $20 because someone clicked on your hours and directions and $10 because someone clicked for contact information. That, that doesn't work. For it for a dealer, there's only so much a dealer is going to get from a third party site. There's there's only so much they're going to get. They're going to put your cars up there. I I think I don't understand why these third party sites would shield the local inventory the way they do. I don't get that. I don't see how that serves right. anybody but them. I mean, the BDP to BDP like interaction is there. For, Gray, I want to hear what Gray was saying. Sorry, Gray. It allows them to show that they're producing results for dealers who may be interested or those who might be publicly traded for their investors. Like, look at the increase of this and the dealer satisfaction rating of why. Um, you know, it, it, I think back to my God, 10, 10, 12 ish, a decade ago when I was slinging websites for one of the top website companies of its time that had been bought and then bought again. And you would go to dealer sites and they required you to give you their information up front, just even access the homepage. I'm sure the dealer got a million leads, but they, people just wanted to search. There's um, still websites like that. I know, and it's horrible. Dealer sites? Uh, yeah, dealer sites. Horrible. <laughs> now, I know, dealers need to wake up. I mean, anyways, I'm not going to, I don't understand that. But these third parties that are doing that, I think you're going to long-term lose out. And when you look at someone that you've already mentioned, they have a model of digital retailing. You have the inventory up front. Um, I know I look at third parties. It's interesting. And I'm just, I'll, I'll leave it at this. You know, nobody asks these questions and it drives me crazy, but we had a guy coming in here. He works for a third party trying to get us into one of these big stores, automotive programs. And I asked every one of my third parties this when they come in at the beginning of the year, what's your marketing plan this year? What is your media spend? Where are you spending in Chicago? What are you doing? What does your funnel look like? What is your, 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 your strategy? Cause then that's going to decipher my strategy as far as how much I want to invest in that third party as a partner, because I'm going to ride their coattails of millions. And I think that we need to just kind of have those conversations as well about our, our media partners. Where are you going? Where is your platform going? Where is the technology going? Is it going to be the same today in six months? You know, and, um, and I'm kind of getting on a tangent here. My apologies. Um, 
I'd like to use this conversation as a springboard for uh, moving into conversations around quote unquote digital retailing. Uh, and we'll come back, you know, in a few weeks under this, under this series and do that because um, I'm actually getting a little bit, I don't know, either annoyed or frustrated with the, the, the narrow novice mindset that seems to be forming around this term called digital retailing. It's, 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 it's just a, it's a misguided approach that, we, that we're it's experiencing. It's a term, right? It should be called dealer honesty. Okay, you want a car, here's the cost. Here's the APR. Here's your taxes, tags, plate, title, <laughs> registration. Out the door, here's what you're looking at. Give us a call. We, we, but, everything needs to be consumer-centric. And my point of going backwards, though, right now, is that here we have more technology that's trying to create engagement, you know, but, but, it, but it, is trying to, um, it's tr- it is trying to constrain what the consumer ultimately wants. Guys, we got to shut down. Mike uh, Phillips, who's tuned in here, made a great comment um, uh, uh, while we were talking uh, just on the, the third-party automotive sites. And he says it's simply that they can continue to position themselves as a trusted friend to the public since dealerships have done a crappy job at that. And I think if you read between the lines is the de- – and I don't – you know, there's so many great dealers out there. And I think that the, the great dealers out there are understanding they need to be consumer centric. They need to be adaptive and progressive on what those consumers need. And that's the edge that they have that no one can take away from them. That's I, do. I think they're great dealers, Ryan, but they're horrible advertisers. <laughs> Merchandisers they are, but mer- you're, I agree. They need to anticipate the customer's needs rather than react to them. And I just see a lot of reaction. In the market. So much, you know, Bill, so much reaction. Everything is reaction. It's like, I just had a conversation and put it happy or not. And if you're familiar that you've ever been in a restaurant or somewhere, they got the smiley face, smiley, neutral, and frown. I want to put one by my front door, one by my service door. I get <laughs> like six heads. I'm like, wouldn't it be nice to know that if a service, if a service advisor's having a bad day, we get 12 frown faces. Wouldn't it be nice to address that before the end of the day? If we're seeing a, a pattern throughout the day, it flags. Yeah, this real time, correct? Not real, a month down the road. Data. Real-time data about that people just flying in and out of the doorways. You can't get a pulse off. But again, uh-huh. the more you know, the more you can manage. And it just boils down to dealers having to think outside of that proverbial, well, I'll send them a survey at midnight. By midnight, they've already written three Yelp reviews and you know, blown you into the, the smithereens. So I don't know. I just think dealers need to wake up. And I love these conversations because usually towards the end, I start getting real, real amped up. And red woke right up. And uh-huh. it's like, let's go. That's when it's time to shut it off. Yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about geofencing someday in the future? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bill, I want to come back with you and talk about not only the geofencing, because I think there's geofencing, there's geoframing, there's there's multi-stop geofencing. I just right. think that people, that there's a lot of smoke and mirrors on that. And with, with something we were talking about earlier, I never target my competition. I target where people are going. So whether it's that they frequent or, you know, it's like the auto show, right? Why would I want to target a million people that are not in market? They're just walking around. It's something to do in Chicago. But if they go to the auto show, then they go here. Or they go to the auto show and then there, now I want to target them. That's yeah, what we had a- our block. Everybody's getting two grand back or a thousand less than they used to. And you're going to be the first guy that they could talk to. But oh, yeah. you're absolutely right. Geofencing is blowing out. Nobody knows what it's all about. And I've got some really good hard data on that. I'd like to and share. There's so many different types of geofencing. There's a lot of confusion that people don't understand it either. Either. That's- 
Let's circle back around on another session for that, guys. I just want to be, uh, you know, fair to our audience here. So, Bill, thanks for getting up here for the first yeah. time. And you're gonna thank you back. for having me, guys. Thanks for putting up with me. I appreciate yeah, thank it. you so much. And uh, and Gray and Dave, uh, you know, just thanks again, always. And then, folks that are tuned in here live or or elsewhere, this is uh, one of our advanced auto retail marketing strategy sessions, aka masterminds. The whole idea is that we we get together on a routine basis and we do this. We, we hash out, you know, we hash out ideas, technologies, best practices, problems, uh, you, you name it. Uh, if you like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, and that way you get notified when we go live or when we schedule an event, just press on that bell icon. If you go up to autoconversion.net, look under the masterminds menu, look under auto retail. You'll see five different masterminds set up there, ranging from used cars, video marketing, uh, this one, the auto shopper experience, where we're going to get um, uh, circle back around around digital retailing. Register for the series that appeal to you, and that'll automatically uh, invite you to every scheduled event within that series. And even if you can't make it live, you can always catch the recording on our YouTube channel, or you can listen to it on the podcast. So look through the links that are in here. There's a, there's a Facebook event for each series. We even have a discussion group on LinkedIn that you can take part of. Uh, just go ahead and knock on the door and request to join there. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thanks for tuning into Auto Conversion. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Let us know your ideas and, um, and any suggestions or special requests that you have. And we'll be back uh, for more. Just stay tuned. This is Autoburst Media.